It's super cool to be. I'm going to preach the word tonight. Uh, you heard a little bit about our story. We've been from a church in Brisbane, City Point, been living in Africa, preaching the gospel, driving out demons, having a good time doing that. And we are, we're moving to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, to go and lead a church over there. And I believe God's called us to the craziest place on earth at the moment. And so that's going to be a good time over in America. So tonight, we're going to uh, open our Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6. This is what it says. Humble yourselves. Come on, that's a word for somebody tonight. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. One more time. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, all your worry on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Tonight, I want to preach a message that is entitled, The Devil is a Liar. Say that with me. Say, The Devil is a Liar. I believe this is one of the most profound truths that we can understand, is to recognize that the devil is a liar. Does anyone here know someone who's a compulsive liar? Anybody? Anyone in here a compulsive liar? Uh, but if you know a compulsive liar, right, the most crazy thing you could do is believe them. Like compulsive liars, they lie. They lie about everything. And it's unfortunate that you know so many. Um, but... But they're true. you're crazy to believe someone who's a compulsive liar. It's the same way. We need to recognize that the devil is a liar to help you stop believing him. But the reality is, is, is what we're going to focus on tonight is this. If you don't know the truth, then you won't recognize the lies. We need to know the truth so you can recognize the lies. You know, the, the, the best lies are not outrageous lies. The best lies are lies laced with truth. Like for example, you know, I, I, we came here on Friday uh, afternoon to New Zealand from Australia. And you know, if I was to tell you that I was pretty keen not to fly, and so I got a rubber ducky, put my family in the back of it with um, their suitcases, and I tied the rope to my waist, and I swam to New Zealand, <laughs> nobody would believe me. But if I told you that on Friday we jumped on a Qantas flight and we flew here from Brisbane to Auckland and it was a wonderful flight, if I just said that, you'd probably all believe me because you don't know the truth. And the truth is, because that statement is a lie laced with truth. Because on Friday we did fly here from Brisbane to Auckland, but we didn't fly on Qantas, we flew on Air New Zealand. And so what's, what the point I'm trying to make is that the best lies are not the outrageous lies, although in 2021, some outrageous lies people are believing, which is kind of crazy. I don't, probably don't need to go into it. You can probably assume what I'm talking about. Maybe not. Um, I'm, I can't say it here. I'll get myself in all sorts of trouble. Don't tempt me. I can see you guys up there. But the best lies are... 
our lies laced with truth. And so we need to be a people that understand the truth. We really do live in a culture, in a society that is, you know, we, we can, basically it's appropriate in our culture to say two plus two equals five and, you know, that's just what it is. And if we don't believe that two plus two equals five, it's because we're backwards, because we're archaic, because we still believe the Bible, that crazy old thing. We're bigoted, we're naive, we're narrow-minded. We live in a culture that is trying to remove truth. But for you and I, our anchor, our steadfast truth is the Word of God. You know, there, there are things that we believe in the Bible that the world are never going to accept or, but, and will reject, but doesn't mean we need to. But we need to know the truth, otherwise we won't recognize the lies because the best lies are lies laced with truth and they're, they're, they're painted in statements like love is love and, and, and all sorts of slogans which you can put on a bumper and we think, yeah, of course, love is love. No, God is love. Love is love is a twisted, perverted version of God is love because God loves the world and we're all to love the world. But just because love is love doesn't mean people can do whatever they want. Now again, if you don't follow Christ, they can do whatever they want. They're not, you know, we, it's an important understanding to reach the world. We can't expect them to live according to the Bible because they believe it's a joke. That we're to love them, lay down our lives. We're not to go and judge their soul. We're to go and love them into the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom, if you're a Jesus follower, which I assume most of us are, we're called to live according to the word of God, whether we like it or not. And we're called to stand for purity, stand for that truth in the face of adversity. Can I tell you, the love of God is for everybody. It's an indiscriminate love. But salvation is limited to those who believe. And the word believe is not just believe that God is real, believe that Jesus is real, because the Bible says even the demons believe that he's real. The word believe means to put complete trust in and reliance upon. Jesus rebukes his disciples in the Gospels. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, yet not do the things that I say? Why do you trust me with your eternal salvation, but you won't trust me with the daily affairs of your life? Why do you call me Lord so that you'll get a ticket to heaven yet live an impure life here on earth because it's a little bit backwards? If we, we trust God's promises, a yes and amen, and because we trust Him, we then now live and obey His commandments. And that's found in the Word of God. The Bible tells Psalms 119, verses 105, the Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. The wicked have set a snare for me. Can I tell you, there's been some snares set. Everything's very touchy. You touch and it bites you. Don't be so touchy. The enemy has set a snare for us, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. The psalmist is saying, God, I'm going to live according to your word because it preserves my life. It is a light to my path. It is a lamp to my feet. Can I tell you, the Bible tells us that broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. And very few find it. Friends, you're going to need that light. You're going to need that lamp so we can continue on the narrow way. I've had people tell me recently, Joel, your views are narrow-minded. And I went to God and I said, God, am I narrow-minded? 
Because, you know, I like to ask God, if I do anything outrageous or a little bit naughty or a little bit non-politically correct and people get upset, I don't like to upset people, right? And so I go to God all the time, I ask for comfort or correction. And either comforts me or corrects me. Which is nice, being humble to allow the Lord to lead you. And I said, God, am I narrow-minded? He said, yes. Because narrow is the way that leads to life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Can I tell you, my heart breaks for this broken world. My heart breaks for humanity. I do not want them to find destruction. I want them to find Jesus, and he is the narrow way, amen. So tonight I want to talk and understand that the devil is a liar. And if we don't know the truths, we won't recognize the lies. When I moved to Africa, you know, I love Africa because the rules are a little bit less there, or their rules are more like, you know, guidelines rather than rules, suggestions. I kind of like that. And so, anyone ever, ever seen a lion before? Anyway, we're at this, we go to this lion park in Africa. It's a little bit different in Africa. See, he, the lions in New Zealand are behind a big cage. In South Africa, they let you drive your car into the cage. And so we, we found this lion park and, you know, we're excited but a little bit nervous because you hear stories in the newspaper like there was someone in Johannesburg who went to these lion parks and they say, don't roll down your window. And this person thought, it'll be all right, let me roll down my window. And they put their camera out. And this is no word of like, a lion reached in, grabbed out, took her out and killed her. So we went, to this, we went to this lion park, and so this is in the back of my mind, but you're like, whatever, and you pull up to the, the front there, and you say, I said, hey, look, are these lions okay? He's like, yeah, they're a little bit naughty, so I'm like, cool, naughty lions, awesome. Um, and m- meanwhile, this guy's got one arm, so, you know, and I asked him, I'm like, is, you know, he swears it's not from the lion, but the devil's a liar, let me tell you. Anyway, we, we get into this lion park, and we're driving around, there's about 15 lions in there, and we're having a good time looking at these lions, and... You see, I came in here, entry, exit. In my mind, entry, exit. I can see over there, it looks like an exit. And so we drive around this park, and we're driving towards the exit where I presumed or assumed the exit was, because can I tell you this? There is a way that seems right to a man. Come in, go out, but its end is destruction. And so I'm driving away to this, we'd finished, and I'm driving towards, and this lion starts following my car as I'm heading towards my presumed exit. And it's finally, adrenaline picks up a little bit, like my window's up, it's good, but then your imagination kicks in, like, can lions unlock doors? <laughs> Do they have that ability? And we're driving, and next minute I start feeling this lion playing with the back of my car. I can feel it, like, hitting it, and it's playing with my tires as I slowly drive away. Now my adrenaline's definitely like picking up a little bit, and I'm like, it's fine. The guy said, drive slowly. Be not a big deal. And I get to where I presume the exit was, and I found myself in this little tiny dead end. Now, that's not the worst part. The worst part is that there was a lion there, but now I can't see the lion. Does anyone here hate snakes? Yeah, you guys don't really have snakes. I literally, three days ago, had one in my house. It was just a horrible, everybody should hate snakes because Satan was a snake, simple. Okay, they are hideous creatures. But the only thing worse than a snake that you can see is a snake that you know is there that you cannot see. It's exactly the same as lions. If you have a lion there, it's, it's playing with your car, that's, 
not so good. When you know it's there, but now it's gone, you feel really nervous. And so I slowly am backing my car out of this dead end. I eventually get to this, can't see it anywhere. I know it's there, can't see it. I reverse, I'm about to head to the actual exit. And as I did, out of nowhere, this lion leaps up, puts its paws on either side of my car and its face on our back windshield. Can you imagine? We were like, oh, run, you know, do the whole thing. My wife's three months pregnant. I've heard the stories of Johannesburg, but then I'm like, quick, get a photo, get a photo. So we're like sort of taking off and my wife's kind of like trying to get the selfie of this lion attacking our car. And we escaped. Thank God we got out and he actually had bitten a big chunk out of the back bumper of my car. That whole story to say this, there's a way that seems right to a man. <laughs> and it's end is destruction. I was uninformed of the exit strategy, and when crisis came, I wasn't prepared. Can I tell you, we live in a culture, we live in a society where you have a responsibility to be informed. You have a responsibility to know the truth. You have a responsibility to dive deep. You can't keep your head in the sand anymore and just hope for the best. We have to be an educated, equipped people beyond personality, beyond desire to study. We cannot afford it anymore because culture is violently prowling around looking for someone to devour. Today, I want to tell you, thought number one is this, is that Satan has power. And it's not an encouraging statement, but it's a true statement. It tells us, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. But then it says, be alert and of sober mind. It says, you have an enemy. His name is Satan, and he's prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Can I tell you, Satan's real, and he has an assignment to destroy your life. Does anybody feel encouraged? Praise God. He has an assignment to destroy marriages. He's an assignment to destroy purity. He's the author of anxiety. He's the creator of cancer. And some people like to, you know, like Satan doesn't have power. And listen, I'm not trying to glorify Satan. I'm trying to expose him. Because the truth is he's a cut off withering branch. But this Satan, you see, he was hanging out with God for a while there because of pride. He rebelled against God and he was kicked out of heaven. But this angel Satan or Lucifer took a third of God's angels with him. He's the one who's been deceiving men and women of God from generation to generation. He, he really, you know, he's the one that, that deceives people into uh, adultery. And then he's the one that makes them feel guilty and ashamed for doing it. He doesn't care how he does it. He wants to destroy your life. He's the assignment to destroy marriages. Can I tell you, he came after my marriage violently. I was married for nine months. After nine months, my wife and I separated for a year and a half, and we were about to get a divorce. He had an assignment to destroy my marriage, but praise God that God is greater than my shame and my pain. And our marriage was miraculously restored. But can I tell you, I don't want you to be caught unaware. You have an enemy. His name is Satan. And he has a desire to destroy godly values, godly morals, godly lives. We can't be caught unaware. We have to be prepared. We have to be informed. The greatest lie Satan ever told the world is that he doesn't exist. Can I tell you, he's real and there's an assignment. He wants to destroy your life. But number two, the devil is a liar and his power is in deception. John 4, uh, sorry, John chapter uh, 8 verses 44 says, a little bit of context would be helpful, but just go with me here. We'll get to the back end of this. You belong to your father, the devil, 
And you want to carry out your father's desires. The important part is coming up now. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his uh, native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In South Africa, there are many different dialects, around 11 different dialects, and people are born with their native language. Satan's native language is lying. He's a deceiver. He's a manipulator. He's an emotional abuser. And he is vigilant to use whatever he can to deceive you out of the truth of the gospel. He will use disappointment. He will use abuse. He will use whatever he can do to, to, to deceive you out of the truth of the word of God, to make you mistrust the name of Jesus. He's a liar. That's all he knows how to do. But we have to be informed. That's the, the whole point, if I, you know, I probably could have summed up the message in one sentence. Know the truth. Read the Bible. Study the scriptures. Learn from people so you're aware that when the liar comes, that his lies laced from truth don't deceive you. Because it's all he knows how to do. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, this is what it says. It says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Can I have a somber moment with you for a minute? Look at the person next to you. Everybody laughs when you make them look at each other. It's, what's wrong with you guys think everyone looks funny? I'm trying to be serious. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and be deceived by doctrines of demons. Tells me a couple of things. That says that potentially people in this room will, be, will abandon the faith. And I know it's like, oh, that's a bit heavy, but it's true. And I, I, I'm, I'm, my heart breaks for Christians who are deceived out of the gospel. And it says, it says another thing. It says that they'll be deceived by doctrines of demons. Things taught, doctrines of demons. Which means demons are talking. They're deceiving. They're lying. They're giving doctrines. They're twisting truths to deceive people out of the things that God has for them. Some of my best friends, some of my closest relationships who I've seen minister the gospel in a powerful way, who have seen blind eyes open, who have seen deaf ears open, who are believing for revival and a move of God that would shake the nations and now back addicted to drugs, living according to the world. They've been deceived out of the truth, and it breaks my heart. And I do not want to see a generation like yourselves deceived into such things. We have to know the truth. This is our anchor. This is what we hold true. Our, the, the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for exaltation. Basically, it is all we need to thrive in this culture. It's not an ancient book that's irrelevant today. It's an ancient book that is still the most relevant book in all the world. Jesus is still the way. He's still the truth. He's still the life. You know, when I was younger, I was dating a girl, another South African. My wife is also South African. Clearly, I like South Africa. But I was dating and I was convinced that I was going to marry her. I was like, this is the one. Because at 16, these are the kind of decisions you can make. Similar to like four-year-olds, they can make some pretty big decisions too, according to the world. Imagine that Satan was trying to destroy the purity of our children. I was 16, I was convinced this is the girl I was going to marry. Anyway, lo and behold, one year later, that did not work out. And, in, and you know, like, that was pretty, anyone ever been broken up with before? 
That does not feel nice, eh? Like, it's pretty painful. Even if you don't like them, it doesn't feel good because you feel like you're being rejected. Like a little bit relieving, but a little bit painful at the same time. That was not me. I was just upset for like a week and like two weeks. And about three months, I was still like, I mean, three, did I say one? Three months, I was like super down. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because in today's society, people would start to say things like, man, Joel might be a bit depressed. And they would say, you know, maybe someone's going to go to my, ma- my mother and say, and I think Joel's might be struggling with depression. And my mother, being a caring, compassionate woman, would be like, gosh, maybe he is. And then she might be like, hey, son, I think you might be a bit depressed. And what's happening is this thing is being spoken out into the air. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs 23 that as a man believes in his heart, so therefore he will be. And what happens is this lie can be perpetuated. And then my mother, being a caring mother, might take me to a doctor who probably doesn't serve Jesus. And now this doctor who's counseled and schooled by the wisdom of the world, which the Bible says is carnal, which breeds is enmity, which means it wars against God, is going to tell me that I have depression and is going to give me a bottle of pills to manage it. That's today. When I was 16, this is how it went. Three months, walking on the beach, super upset, and my grandpa was next to me, and he flicked me in the chin. Probably be arrested for that in 2021. It's child abuse. And he said, you're my grandson, walk with your head up. And so I put my head up, and I walked one foot in front of the other, and I walked out because the truth is I wasn't depressed. I had a broken heart. I felt rejected. But this lie can be spoken. We live in an age, an epidemic of anxiety, where everything is the condition of anxiety. You know, when I was young, again, when when I was in school, I didn't even know the word anxiety. And if I did, it would be like, I'm anxious about this test that I have not prepared for. Or I'm anxious for this job interview that I'm probably not going to get. And you felt a bit sick in your stomach until the test was over. And then you might feel anxious that your parents can be pretty upset that you didn't prepare for the test. And then you go home and get a hiding. And, <laughs> and then everything was fine. That feeling's gone because that part's over. Or like, I'm a bit of an introvert. It doesn't appear that way, but I'm a little bit of an introvert. And you know, some people... You know, you might go to a party. You ever heard of a thing called social anxiety? <laughs> and, you know, you don't like big crowds, which is probably none of you because you're all here. But you don't like big crowds or you don't like speaking with people you don't know and it just sort of overwhelms you. Did you know that doesn't mean you have social anxiety? It probably means you're an introvert, you don't love big crowds, and you'd prefer to speak with people that you know. Yet we speak things out like, ooh, that, that sounds like social anxiety. We label it, and then we start to believe, yeah, I think I might have social anxiety. And so we go, um, you know, ask the arbiter of all truth, Google, social anxiety. And we, and we figure out what that means. And it, yeah, that sort of ticks the boxes, and you start to believe that you are now someone who has social anxiety. So you go and see somebody who then labels you officially a condition of social anxiety. 
As a man believes in his heart, so therefore he will be. Friends, I am not trying to, uh, to, to diminish the reality of the symptoms of depression. I understand that it's real. I'm not trying to diminish those who really genuinely struggle with the condition of anxiety. I absolutely am aware that they are real. But there's two things I want to accomplish here. Number one is that those of you that might be entertaining those thoughts that haven't actually been officially labeled, you don't have to let that lie rule your life. The second is those of you who are deep in that pit of depression or in that cage of anxiety, I want to tell you there is light at the end of the tunnel. The kingdom of God, the Bible says, is righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of the world is lawlessness, sin, fear, and anxiety, heaviness, and depression in the spirit, and the spirit of the world. It is countercultural to the kingdom. And if you are a believer, there is a supernatural peace that transcends all understanding. We, can, can I tell you that anxiety is bred out of a spirit of fear. And perfect love, his name is Jesus, drives out all fear. Can, I, I want to tell you there is, there is hope today. His name is Jesus. The Satan might have power, but his power is in deception. He's a liar. And I want to tell you, I'm not afraid to tell you the truth of the gospel because I know it's the power of God to salvation, to saving, to healing, and to deliverance that comes in, in Jesus Christ. I've seen thousands of people liberated from conditions of anxiety as the power of God comes upon them. I watched my wife, who was ruled by fear when we were first married. Part of the reason we struggled is the day we got married, she was attacked with a spirit of fear. I would go out to lead worship at youth ministry. I'd come home. She'd be hiding in the closet with an irrational fear that she can't come out of the closet. I came home one day and there she was sitting with a knife in her hand and she'd cut her arms and her legs to deal with the pain that she was going to. Can I tell you, Satan has an assignment and he wants to destroy your life, but can I testify that God is greater? My wife is restored. She is redeemed. She lives whole. She lives free. And she would tell you that there is light at the end of the tunnel and his name is Jesus. People don't like me talking about this stuff. It's because they don't know that I hate demons. I hate them and they rob. I'm not saying if you struggle with one of these things that you have a demon. I'm saying it's a demonic force that's robbing you of your destiny. And I, I can't sit back. I pray, I pray, I pray that the modern day church never becomes so safe that nobody gets set free. We can so easily so be afraid and scared to tell people that Jesus can heal your body because someone will say, yeah, but what if he doesn't? I don't want to not tell you that Jesus can heal your anxiety because somebody's like, yeah, but what about the ones who do? What about if he doesn't? We've got to stop looking for reasons why God doesn't do things and look for the reasons why he does because he's good, he's God, he's for you. And if God be for you, who could dare stand against you? The enemy would silence the truth. He tried to snuff it out in crucifying Jesus. In doing so, he, he signed his own death warrant. The disciples, they were persecuted by Christians. Well, religious people, religious leaders. They went and there was a man at the gate, beautiful. And he looked up and he reached out saying, 
you know, give me some money. And Peter and John looked down and said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Now rise up and walk. And it says the man was immediately healed. He went on testifying of what had happened and the religious leaders of the day surrounded this thing. They arrested Peter and John and they said, we don't, we forbid you for speaking in the name of Jesus. You see, they couldn't deny the miracle. They weren't upset with what happened. They were, with, well, they were upset with how it happened. And they tried to silence the believers of speaking the reality of Jesus. Friends, that same spirit is manifesting today, trying to silence the truth that sets people free. If you don't know the truth, you can't recognize the lies. So you'll live subject to the lies. But if I tell you the truth, friend, you've got a choice to make. Are you going to believe the lies? Are you going to believe the gospel? And the last thought is this, that Satan has power, but he has no authority. Luke 10, 18, Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Jesus said, I've given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. The enemy's power is in deception. He's a liar. He deceived people into sin. The result of sin is death, loss, and destruction. The result of sin is sickness, disease, torment, chaos, confusion, dissensions, drunkenness, orgies. This stuff's all in your Bible. There's a result of sin and sin leads to death. And Satan deceived us in the beginning. He offered the fruit to Eve. Can I tell you, this, the, 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 the spirit of the world is masquerading as radical liberalism. And it's offering a piece of fruit to so many Christians and so many are taking a bite. Ah, guys, we've got to live according to the truth. It might not always be popular. It might even bring persecution. It might even cause people to, to, to not want to be around you. But friends, if it's in love, it's not licensed to be a jerk, but if it's in love, then do it because you want to see broken people healed. Do it because you want to see lost people saved. Do it not because you want to impress people, not because you want the world to love you, but because you love them enough to lay down your life that they might find theirs in Him. You have authority. The difference between power and authority is a criminal has a power. They might have a gun and they can go to a bank and they can rob the bank using their gun. But when the authorities turn up, they run for their lives because they're functioning illegally. Things like sickness, things like disease, things like torment and anxiety and fear and a spirit of heaviness causing depression, they might happen to a believer, but they're not allowed to. They're functioning illegally. And when you realize that we've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you, you realize you have all authority over all the power of the enemy and you can take authority and he will run and he will flee because you're functioning in the authority of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. Can I tell you, I've been given authority over all the power of the enemy. I believe sickness is a result of sin. Therefore, I believe I have authority over sickness. 
in the name of Jesus. I believe that anxiety and mental health is a result of sin in the world, not necessarily your personal sin, but because of sin in the world. And I believe that comes from the enemy and I have power and authority over all the power of the enemy. So I believe he can liberate it. People tell me, you know, Joel, careful, depression is like a chemical imbalance. I don't know what depression is on that level, but I do know if that's the case, I know the God who can rebalance the chemicals. You put them there in the first place. Anxiety, a spirit of fear, man. Perfect love. I've watched him do it. I can't help but speak what I've seen and what I've heard. The things I've seen with my own eyes, the miracles in front of me with self-harm scars disappearing, the miracles I've seen of broken fingers straightening in my hand and not being broken anymore, the miracles I've seen of metal rods dissolving out of people's arms, the miracles I've seen of blind eyes opening, a man 60 years deaf, his ears opening in front of a crowd of 200 people. I can't help speak the things that I've seen, the testimonies I've heard from family members, from brothers, from other churches I can't help speak the things that I've seen and the things that I've heard and I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God and our generation needs Jesus and you and I we can't be caught unaware we have an enemy his name is Satan he's a liar and we have authority over him because the truth is he's a cut off withering branch in Jesus